Yes. Hey guys, welcome to Notorious Women uh, Podcast. I'm Lavetta. I'm Miriam. And this is Notorious Women, a comedy podcast about some of history's most notorious women. And I'm sorry I interrupted you, Miriam. You're going to okay. tell me the story <laughs> about Sal, your husband. Okay. So here's what he did. So he gets a job. It's a very lovely job. He likes the people. He likes the work. It's all good. There is a program within the company called, I shouldn't say the name of it, but it's, it's cause yeah. Okay. But it's yeah, a company say the name. <laughs> for African-American women to get, you know, to, to, to unite, to support, to continue education, to, you know, in the workplace. And he was like, I would like to join as support. I am a white man. <laughs> and he was like, I'm just here. I want you to have as many numbers as you can have. And I'm like, I'm a, he, he, know, he knows what to do. He knows his place. He knows to sit in the back row and just listen. So then he's in right. it for a, a while, probably almost a year. And they're looking for, for presenters, you know, at some point. And he was like, oh, actually, I, I know how to present. How, what, is, what is, it's a specialty that my husband has and I can't remember what it is, but he's very, he's very talented. I just don't know how. Anyways, he, like, he can teach how to, how to give, um, instruction, how to make a presentation, how to do that kind of thing. So he's like, I would be happy to present a whole program for you to, you know, learn from continued education. I'll do it. No problem. So he does it and he gets a lot of very good feedback. You know, some people are like, I already knew that. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's really interesting. Um, And I can say that he's helped me with presentations before. And I think that I'm an actress. So like, I know how to do it, but it is a whole different ballgame. Anyways, so he does it, gets good feedback. And then they came to him and said, hey, can you co-chair the program? Of course they did, because <laughs> nothing says like diversity, inclusion, <laughs> outreach, like a white cisgendered man. And I was like, what are you going to do? And he was like, I don't know. <laughs> he has to, he has to, you know what he can do? This is what he can do. What do you think? Yeah. Go back to them and say, I'm very flattered, but it's inappropriate oh. for uh, a guy like me to be on this board. You should look for a black woman since <laughs> it is for black women. I, I'm flattered. I'm flattered. Yeah, no, because he, he wants but, to help. He, you know, he yes. wants to make sure that the program stays strong and does well. Yes. But he's like, that's I, he's like, look at me. Look at me. Yeah, I don't do it, lady. Okay. Don't. I mean, don't do it. I mean, don't do it, man. I I was like, he's 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 a man. That's the problem, actually. (laughs) Oh, I know. Miriam's like, he is all man. man. (laughs) mm -hmm, That's my man. Okay, okay. Stramps, (laughs) stramps. I just, you know that that uh that little uh, sketch from um in Living Color. I Uh, men men on film and they're like stramps. Like in breasts, yeah. Girl, if anyone wants to get dirt on me, they can go back to the 90s when we recorded our version of In Living Color. And do you remember the sketch? No, go on, girl. No, you did not. Yep. I did, though. I did. No. So, yes, you're right. I did that. <laughs> but I was wrong. <laughs> Listen, we've all done stuff that we look back and we cringe. The important thing is that, you know, you look back and you're like, oh, yeah, that was all kinds of wrong. Well, 
what's so funny is that if you look at like there was like six or seven of us that were that that were like we have the best idea <laughs> um it was for a project in school and it's a it was a diverse group of friends so we were just messing up like everywhere <laughs> oh it how was, old were you i was oh, how old 14 14 oh, yeah, freshman yeah, year of high baby. school yeah you're a baby so yeah well, um, Miriam, I will yeah. tell you, I forgive you because uh, you. I have uh, a similarly uh, cringy thing in my past. I have several uh, cringy bones in my past that uh, I will not divulge right now. Oh, come on. I just told out. you everything. I didn't no, tell you everything. Gonna probably. Not going to do it. Not going <laughs> to do it. I got to do it. What? Wouldn't be prudent. Is that your Ross Perot? Are we that old? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> well, I guess we should get started. If you're Gen uh, Z, believe- don't even worry about it. Don't even don't, worry about it. Yeah, Nothing yeah. to look Just up. Just look it up. Look it up on YouTube. Uh, oh, I yeah. Think yeah. This week, you are first, my dear. So who's your notorious woman this week that you want to share with me? Okay. Okay. So here's the thing with the woman that I'm going to talk about today. She is still out there doing her thing. So I'm going to sort of, I just want to bring her up. What's funny is that my husband is the one who was like, do you know about her? You should do her. And I was like, since a white man told me to do that, I was like, really good idea. <laughs> not not a white you. man told you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. It's a problematic day in my household. Um, so, <laughs> okay. So have you heard of, you know what? I meant to look up exactly how to pronounce her name. I think it's Cerise. Okay. C-E-R-I-S-E. Castle. Cerise Castle. No, that's a great name. C-C. She, yeah, C-C, right? She, so she was raised in Southern California. And, uh, you know, she had a childhood. Let's move on. In 2014, <laughs> she moved to Los Angeles after college to become a freelance reporter. I'm skipping her childhood because I don't really have a lot of access to her childhood. She's still young and out there and doing oh, things. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, she happens to be a lesbian. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know why. I think it's important. <laughs> I think we, it's important. Representation is important. Yeah. My queer sister. Yeah. Lesbian sisters. I, I, the, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, so she worked as an associate producer for vice news tonight. So in 2020, so I'm skipping a whole lot of stuff here. Um, she was hired as a producer at KCRW. Oh, I know the name While of she that. While she was re- KCRW. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 It's like an LA yeah. thing. You know, words. I don't have them. Do you know my child started saying the same thing when she's like trying to think of something to say? She's like, words. I don't know, mom. And I was like, wow. They pick up. I might say that a lot. They pick up everything, everything. <laughs> I know. But go ahead, darling. I get, I get called out all day. Um, so while reporting a Los Angeles George Floyd protest in May 2020, she was shot by a rubber bullet by LAPD. Oh no! Ooh. Ooh. You know what's crazy to me? I, it's crazy that I just found this out. You know, yeah, rubber bullets apparently are like when you see them, they're like it sounds harmless, but then when you see them, they're huge, no. like they're used to cause like severe damage. Yeah, they they very much can. And she she was off her feet, 
uh, she was while she was rehabilitating for six months. So let's stop pretending rubber bullets don't do anything. Um, she started to investigate the history of deputy gangs in the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. Uh-oh. So she then accepted a buyout to leave her position at KCRW in February 2021. In a statement posted to Twitter and an interview on LA Podcast, she stated she had experienced racist microaggressions during her time as an employee. I'm just going to use the word alleged. Just yeah, you want to do that. Because it's my favorite word. And they have yeah. deep pockets and we can't afford to be sued. We can't afford, right. No, so all I said was that she put that in a statement and posted it to Twitter. Twitter. Twitter, Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. So, March 2021, she published her LACSD, which mm, gangs series. So, the name of that series is called A Tradition of Violence The History of Deputy Gangs in the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department in Knock, LA. Her reporting stated that multiple gangs are active in the department and alleged that gang members have killed 19 men of color around Los Angeles. Um, it said that one month after the series was published, she was detained at an LA CSD press conference while reporting the event. I think they let her go after that, but I, you know, that's not, that's not, that doesn't feel cool. I'm sorry. Um, yeah? I might be a little, mm. but what does CSD stand for? So Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah, but you know, I had to pause and think. So, um, so a year after the publication, the city's civilian oversight board launched an investigation into the deputy gangs. In 2022, she received the American Journalism Online Award for Best Use of Public Records and the International Women in Media Foundation Courage Journalism Award for the series. Wow. She has freelanced for the Daily Beast, the Los Angeles Times, LA Magazine, and she's on multiple podcasts. She, I think, runs, I think, up to two or three podcasts. Um, her freelance reporting broke the story of the citizen app's misidentification of an arson suspect. Her reporting has been cited by Newsweek, LA Weekly, and The Ringer. And in late February 2023, so this is a very recent uh, story, she announced that uh, she signed with CAA, which is... Oh, fancy. Yes. Oh, CAA. Mm-hmm. But, like, what she's doing with her, I'd say, newly found clout is incredible. She, You can still go to her website, and she still posts, does anyone know anything about this situationing, the situation, situationing, I just said situationing. No. It's fine. It's okay. Uh, I mean, Biggie came up with conversate. It's not a word. It's converse, and Biggie, but it's Biggie all right. and I are basically the same thing. Yeah, so, exactly. You're yeah. basically the same as a rapper from the 90s from yeah. Brooklyn yeah. of Jamaican-American descent. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's absolutely. what I said, Lavetta. What's the problem? Um, <laughs> so... Just to back up a little bit. So her investigation, this was about like gangs within the, the police department. Within the were, police department. 
Okay. You know, that's what uh, training day was based on, right? I do know that. Okay. So basically it's gangs, a gang of police officers, allegedly, uh-huh. who are roaming the streets in the uh, under the guise of law and order um, and uh, just attacking and brutalizing citizens, mm. allegedly. So mm-hmm. that, that that's what you're talking about? Okay. I just that is to, what just I wanted, am allegedly talking about. Okay. Well, it's so funny because this white girl right here, me, saw Training Day and was like, great, we've exposed them. The problem is solved. So, you know, it turns out, Lavetta, I know this is shocking to you, um, that it was not solved. No, the problem I was know. is that Denzel Washington is so mesmerizing and charismatic, yeah. even though he's a mm. terrible human being in that mm. movie that it kind of glorifies you're like yo i want to be like him like <laughs> he's just a terrible terrible human being so it's much like so that i don't want to say i would sleep with a bad cop but in this case i, I would, mean it's, it's yeah. denzel in his, in his prime and like i mean mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. character's such a bad guy that even denzel's like well yeah he's gotta die obviously because it's yeah. a terrible human being so yeah but <laughs> that's actually based on yeah that that character is actually based on a real guy Oh, no yeah. kidding. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Didn't know oh, yeah. That. Oh, yeah. So, but go ahead, darling. I'm sorry. So, so I thought the problem was solved. I, I was wrong. Okay. Um, so, she has earned a ton of awards for the podcast called A Tradition of Violence about de- deputy gangs uh, inside the LA County Sheriff's Department. So, her LA deputy gang expose that included extensive use of court documents won the 2023 American Mosaic Journalism Prize for Excellence in Long-Form Journalism, which was the largest dollar prize given annually for journalism in the U.S. um, after getting her Courage in Journalism Award and the American Journalism Online Award um, that I had already mentioned. I'm going to give a quote. Um, So the, the American Mosaic Journalism Prize, the foundation was Heising Simons, and they say about her, Cerise Castle's investigative journalism tenaciously unmasks extremism in our institutions. They include a series of reports revealing a history of deputy gangs in the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, which has led to legal action. This is high stakes and revelatory work reported with grit and bravery. So wow, that's she high, also has that's, produced. That's high praise indeed. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, she's changing the world. Like, but like for the better, <laughs> sometimes people change the world for the worst. I like uh, to find the better. Yeah, we won't even go down that route. Mm, uh, mm, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. What? I am weeping inside. (laughs) Yeah. Aren't we all? Okay. Um, (laughs) Why am I laughing? I don't know. It makes the pain bearable. What? Everything's fine. Okay. So she produced the podcast series. uh, She produced podcast series for Audible, iHeartMedia, and Wondery, and has made appearances on podcasts that including Pod Damn America, Sorry to Podcast This, Bad With Money, ethnically ambiguous and yo is this racist i just love the name of that last podcast that's hilarious and the answer is always yes 
Yes. It is. It's definitely yes. A hundred percent. If you had to go all the way into asking the question, my God. Exactly. It's aggressively racist. Okay. Um, and in her free time, she says she loves hiking and she loves stargazing. Uh, that is her. But also I want to mention, I you can look up the the um the article she wrote for Knock LA, like just Google her name and you, I mean, it's going to show up, but you could also Google Knock LA. Knock LA is a great uh, resource, by the way, for voting stuff. And I'm throwing that out there. It's gotten me through many confusing uh, elections. Um, And I don't mean like, I know I voted for Biden, calm down. Um, but I mean, like the local elections that like are more precarious, you can't really tell. Knock LA is really good for that. But if you go to that, you can read her series of articles and it's very well, it's easily readable if that's what I'm, you know what I mean? It reads like a book. Yeah, that's good. Like it's interesting. Yeah, I know what you, you know? mean. I know what you mean. Like it's, it's like it's, um, it's uh, user friendly, it's reader friendly. That's the word. Yes, yes, I know what you mean. Because I think sometimes when you're when things are broken down, you know, it can get a little heady, and this does not. So I'm not even knocking things that get a little heady. I'm just saying that this is yeah, but this is it's like interesting. I know what you're saying. Like that's probably why it won so many. Like her work has won so many yeah. awards and has been so lauded. You know, because it's easy to. If that's a skill to be able to uh, distill complex ideas and and uh, thoughts uh, down to like something that we can easily digest and like, yes. comprehend. Yes. So that is her, Cerise Castle. Castle. Castle or Cathal? Castle. Castle. Like the show with Nathan Fillion, Castle. Which I loved when it was on. Am I an oh old lady? I think I'm a middle age, like mm. not even middle age. I think I'm like an elderly. That Girl. show. Mm-mm. It's such a castle. Was such a good like network show though. Like it knew what it was, and it was so much fun. Anyway, uh, I agree a hundred thousand percent. I watched every episode. Okay, let's move on. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for that, Sharice Castle. I love yes. that. Um, well, my notorious woman this week is uh, a woman that was named, she had the moniker in the 1930s as the Black Garbo. The Black Garbo. Okay. Yeah, the Black Greta Garbo. Yes. Um, she was an actress, obviously. Okay. Uh, like Greta Garbo in the 1930s. And so my notorious woman this week is Nina May McKinney. Have you ever heard of her? I don't think so. Okay, so this you're going to be in for a treat then. So Okay, I'm excited. Yeah, Nina May Nina May, that's such a like southern <laughs> like just that May. Nina May McKinney was born Nanny Mame McKinney okay. uh, to Hal and Georgia Crawford McKinney on June 12, 1912 in oh. Lancaster, South Carolina. Okay. Uh, now, Lancaster was a small town near the North Carolina uh, border. So she's a Southern girl. That's that Nina May, as you can tell. Um, now, 
Nina's parents were like a lot of black people or a lot of people in general, but especially black people in the South. They were struggling, you know. Um, yeah. The end of the Civil War brought freedom. But after the end of Reconstruction, basically at the late 1890s, a lot of uh, black people were um, were forced to live under Jim Crow which became yeah. the law of the land, basically, because basically yeah. the, the the Yankees uh, skedaddled back up north mm-hmm. and left them uh, vulnerable to uh, pissed off white people who were mad to that they Jim- lost their free labor. Yeah, so. to Jim Crow laws, which so, is why we fight so hard now, because we can see how we can progress and then all that progress can go away. And we don't want that. No, we no, don't thank want you. that. We want to want to keep it going. Right. So um, I say all that to say that, you know, it's always hard for black people, particularly if they weren't um, educated, they're just regular folk to make a living. So that's why the, you know, the great migration, which a lot of Mm -hmm. you have vaguely heard of, that's mostly black people (laughs) leaving the South. There's Uh, that, there's the, it's the paragraph in your U.S. history book. If you don't live in Florida, that says the great migration. And then there's a paragraph about that. But then you move on. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it went in waves. So you guys will know. Um, and it uh, this was one of the waves uh, that her parents um, went to. They moved to New York City, basically, in oh, search wow. of uh, bigger opportunities. This is actually a very common thing with yes. actors and yes. a lot of people um, and entertainers. Uh, so they moved to New York City because uh, they found new jobs that paid more. And, you know, the whole the whole conceit is that you like what immigrants do. You make money and then you send it back home. Yeah. Um, so but they left Nina May. They they talked about it, they left her behind, um, not because they abandoned her or that they didn't want her there, but they just thought that they could work without having to look after a child. Um, oh, wow. But, with every intention of bringing her, you know, okay. eventually yeah. to come and join them. It's not the uh, most uncommon story in history. Exactly. Because yeah. kids, you know, if you do it right, takes it takes a lot of time and effort. And, and if you not have all parents yeah. are equipped to do that. So Right. And if you have family who'd who'd be there, be able to be there for the kid, you the kid is better off there for a time. That makes sense. Exactly. So they left her with uh, a great aunt. So this is a slightly older woman by the name of Carrie Sanders. Okay. Um, now, Carrie, basically, like a lot of black people, uh, worked. She basically probably worked for the the family or the actual, uh, no, probably the family of the slave owners who probably owned her ancestors mm. uh, on their um, once plantation. But Still mm. basically de facto plantation. plantation. Mm-hmm. But she worked there. Um, she as a housekeeper and a cook uh, for this family. But by all accounts, these were, quote, good white folk. So they were uh, relatively kind, not cruel. OK, um, I guess you get credit for not being cruel. Cool. Exactly. Okay. It's bare yep. minimum. But hey, yep. <laughs> it's nonetheless, nonetheless. So they so she so Carrie took care of of Nina May and. Nina, basically, she was kind of like uh, she the, the the family. She was a young kid and they liked how spunky she was. She ran errands for her Hi. aunt. And she, you know, actually, once the lady of the house um, realized that she was like, you know, she's a good kid. So they bought her a bike. 
Nice. And yeah, and she took to that bike like fish and water. Like apparently she started performing stunts on the bike. Like (laughs) so much so that like the neighbors and the town folk around like were impressed. And so they would be like, show us what you got. Show us what you got. So she'd do little stunts on the bike. Um, and because of this, like the, the love and the attention she got from that, that sparked her acting bug. So let me just say that as a parent, that just triggers me and I hope she was safe and took care of herself. Be careful. Okay. Thank you. I mean, this is a country girl, so she probably like, you know, she's a tomboy probably like, and you know, also, I will say as a Southerner myself, a lot of times, especially in these small back, especially back then, I would imagine like 1924 we're in now. She, the people, like the roads are very clear. There's a lot of traffic. Okay. So okay. she's a lot of space Thank to you. do these stunts and stuff. Thank so, you. I needed yeah. to know that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so she took to it and because of the you know, the attention that she got from uh, doing these bike stunts, she, she got the acting bug. And yeah. she started doing every play in school that she could in Lancaster. And, okay. um, you know, she even taught herself how to dance. She really decided that she was going to become an actor. She was going to, like, become something, become professional. So she, um, so when she turned 15, um, she, her folks actually sent for her. So around this time, her folks, was, they probably got on their feet a little bit, had a little money saved up. And also she's older, so she can they can leave her in the house. Yeah, yeah. They don't have to watch say. her every move, you know. Right. So so she went to New York City and re, uh, reunited with her parents, which is great. That must have been uh, such a culture shock. Oh, I can, I can attest to that as someone from the South who moved to yeah. New York City. It was yeah. like, like, and that's not in 1924. Uh, what twenty seven? So, um, it was. I bet it was. A, it was a culture shock, but probably very exciting. Because again, yeah, this is the Harlem too. Renaissance. Yeah. Yes, the Harlem Renaissance. So she, so she enro- enrolled in a school in New York City, and again, the move was good for her because New York, this high school, had a better theater program. Okay. So she was getting better attention, you know, better education, especially in what she wanted to do. Um, now, by all accounts, she was extremely driven and she was just like, I want to perform. So she she performed in every play again Excellent. in this new school. But she's like, I'm headed to Broadway, bitches. This is what I'm going in up. And she did. In, she's living my dreams out loud. I love it. <laughs> yeah, she in 1928, she was in probably one of the most successful uh, all black performances, even till even till today, musicals called Blackbirds in 1928. I've 100% heard of it. And I think I performed a song from it once. Don't judge me or, you know, judge me. That's fine, too. Um because I needed a song from the 20s that hit was in my range and it worked. It did not work. Like when I sang it, it didn't work. I just want you to know that. But I, again, Anyways. I am going to forgive you because you were a child. I hope you were a child. Yeah. Right? No, I was a child. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, not what happened? Like 25. No, what happened was I sang it. It was for a class, it wasn't on stage. And it was hilarious. The problem was that it's not a funny song. But when I did it, it was hilarious. So, so I just, I stopped doing it. You know, like sometimes you learn. such a ham. 
<laughs> we call a ham, ladies and gentlemen, because yeah. I'm one too. That's why I can Just call it when mm-hmm. I see it. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know, so Blackbirds was like a huge hit. It was, uh, she originally obviously wanted one of the leads, but, um, and I believe the original lead had to leave. So she tried to kind of like maneuver her way into yeah. that spot, but she yeah. was up against uh, Adelaide Hall, Addie Hall, which was, oh, yeah. Addie Hall, we might cover her one day. She was a huge star, yeah. immensely talented and immensely beautiful. So, uh, a 18, a 17, 18 year old can't really compete with Addie Hall at this time. So, yeah. um, the show starred Addie Hall along with Bill Bojangles Robinson. Oh, hey. So look him up. He, to this yeah. day, he does a, um, uh, he's known as the tap dancing guy. And also he's known with the Shirley Temple movies. Yes. That's what white people know him as. But no, <laughs> even before like the Shirley Temple movies, Bill Bojangles Robinson was an amazing performer and tap dancer. He does this thing where he does, um, I know this is not, this is a podcast about women, but you have to look this up to believe it. He does this thing on like these stairs, like these uh, floating stairs where he goes up and goes down. He's tap dancing. It is amazing. And no one's been able to actually replicate his performance. I I know exactly. Like you can look it up. It's on YouTube. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I've, it's one of those videos that you watch and then you watch it again. Because you're then, like, there's yeah. no way he did this. But yes, he did. Uh, so so it starred those two as the, the two main leads, but she was in the chorus line. And again, chorus line on a hit Broadway show is huge. I would accept um, that. I will take yes. the role. Yes, it's not a problem. I can exactly. move to New York City. I'm on my way. It's fine. Now, the musical opened at the Liberty Theater on May 9th, 1928, and she was in the original cast. Again, and this is a huge production. Uh, It became one of the longest running and most successful shows of the genre on Broadway, even to this day. Excellent. Um, So she was in the chorus and, you know, she's trying to meet people, do her thing, hustle, you know. And it was here that this producer by the name of King Vidor. I, I just love that his name is King what? Vidor. It's not um, his name. He made that shit up. I don't I believe think, it. Of course he made it up. Um, <laughs> he was My name looking, is Queen, by the way. I forgot to mention. I mean, people do it all the time nowadays. But yes. Yeah, even back then. So he was actually uh, in the midst of casting an all-black production of a film called Hallelujah. And oh, yeah. he had been looking for his lead. He had interviewed people, auditioned people. He he just couldn't find his lead. And he saw her in the chorus. And he thought she was the most beautiful woman. And he mm. introduced himself and he met with her. And he just thought, yeah, this is my, she has star appeal. She has this like, again, she had that doughy look. She had that look that was very on brand um, with the 1920s. Uh, yeah. A lot of people uh, also called her uh, the black Clara Bow. So if you look up Clara yeah. Bow. She had like those big eyes and like that very ingenue kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it was uh, so he was looking for a lead for his uh, Hollywood film called the all colored feature uh, called Hallelujah. Uh, So after talking with her, he cast her in the lead. Nice. Yeah. So basically she had like a Hollywood like 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 discovery story, like what people dream of, right? Yeah, she did. She had this right time, right place. She had the Mm -hmm. look, she had the talent. Um, And the film came out in 1929, the following year. And 
the the Daily News in New York City hailed her as, quote, an honest to goodness screen star, the first colored girl to attain this distinction, end quote. So, again, they started calling her the Black Clara Bow. I mean, get it, girl. This is what you dream about when you're like, you know, holding your brush or your comb mm-hmm. or nowadays kids do it on YouTube in your yeah. uh, your room. Like it's, this it's is the, Levetta, it's the TikTok. That's what yes. the children are doing. The TikTok. It's the TikTok. But <laughs> she so, in, you know, again, she was born Nanny Mame. Uh, or Mamie, M-A-Y-M-E. Uh, but around this time, you know, she's a star now. She has that that that, that mm. star, that inevitable stardom that's on the horizon. So newspapers started calling her Nina May. Oh, so just be out kinda, of nothing? They just yeah. started doing it? Okay. And it could be that she, she shortened it. It could be Vidor himself shortened it. It could be, mm. you know, it's all about PR. Oh, 100%. Um, now, after this and after the buzz, there was a lot of buzz around before the movie came out and then certainly afterwards. But, and because of this, her life literally changed overnight. Um, yeah. People started treating her like a star, and including uh, Vidor himself. And he basically bankrolled her upgraded lifestyle. He's like, you're a star. You need to start living in this kind of place. You need to wear these kinds of clothes. Uh, he's kind of like a Svengali. Like, okay. You know, um, I, I didn't hear any reports of an, an affair, but I wouldn't yeah. be surprised because okay. uh, he actually was a, I don't know if he was that handsome. There's a picture of him. You can find, he was actually quite a handsome man, actually. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if he was still that young and handsome when they met, but, um, yeah. And, and, and again, I don't know his marital status, but cause this is about her, but yeah. So he basically upgraded her. Um, and so the film came out, it was a huge success, you know, not on par with, you know, other white, mostly white, um, productions but right certainly within the black community it was a huge hit and so much so that hollywood did take notice of her okay um and mgm actually gave her a five-year contract wow which was a big deal yes um and they put her on contract so she she moved out to la and hollywood and she kind of started acting like it too and then people mm. like she got invited to parties by like betty davis other big stars and you know, they're all treating her like she was the next big thing, which she was. Right. But because racism. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, the the leading roles just didn't come to mm. fruition like they did for, you know, a Greta Garbo or, you know, the right. other white actresses. There's just, it's just bad timing. And so she, after about, after about three or four years with nothing really like popping again, you know, she still got invited to parties also because it's sort of like, oh, we want to be friends as like we want to be seen as like the progressive people. Who yeah. Are bigots. And, yeah. But you also the biggest thing in Hollywood you need is buzz and you actually need a hit after a while. So so uh, she was in films. She just nothing hit. N- you know, she or... not in another studio film, because remember, okay. this is the day of the studio. Mm. She she did like shorts because, again, this is the 20s and 30s. So shorts were still a big thing. She did a few of those, but okay. nothing like Hallelujah, where it's like a full on production feature length film. OK, nothing like you know, that. all she these have stars another... that are like wanting to like be like, look at me, progressive. Why don't you go to your director and suggest her? Well, it's why don't you it's also, use your clout? I'm you sure know? they did, but it's like the Hayes codes prevented 
black and white oh, yeah. kissing online uh, uh, on right. screen like yep. so there's all of that stuff and she's she was adamant about not playing a maid or of putting on like a scarf like the mammy scarf that we mm-hmm. all recognize because yep. she's a star again she's yeah. like clara bow she's like greta garbo she's like a leading lady oh she's i don't blame her at all beautiful yeah, yeah. Um, and so she was waiting, she was holding out for the right role, but it just never appeared like the one in Hallelujah, because they weren't making a lot of these all black studio films. No, they weren't making not, a lot of them. Like Not nearly you know, enough. The race films were always uh, and race films were basically films uh, made by and for black people, usually. Uh, and some not made by black people, but for black people. But mm. they didn't have the budgets that the studio uh so a lot of times, basically they're independent films. Right. Um, and but she was looking for to go to the next level because she's was in the studio film as a lead and you're waiting for that next opportunity. So there, right. there just wasn't the opportunity, the roles. And then she didn't do herself any favors because she started to buy her own hype, hmm. apparently. So she started like she started she really believed her own hype that she was a star. So she started behaving that way in her attitude and like you know, she's also very young. Again, 1920. So I was going to say is, she. Wait, 1920, 1928. No, she, she's no, she's 19 or 20. Oh, I was like, yeah, wait, yeah, yeah. no, she's not eight years old. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Listen, I probably would have done the same thing <laughs> if I got yeah. catapulted to fame like a little too soon, you know. But yeah, here she, I am. Very, very humble. OK, exactly. And so she was eventually humbled. Um, she was in, uh, you know, a series of, she was in about two dozen films and shorts over okay. two decades. Um, one of the most acclaimed performances that she did was an, uh, she played an undercover agent posing as a cabaret singer in a film called Gang Smashers from 1938. Ooh. Um, it was the best of her three race films. Um, and another one was called The Devil's Daughter in 1939 a drama set in Jamaica. And then another one was called Danger Street uh, in 1947. And then Pie Pie Blackbird, which was not considered the, the you know, a, a top tier, but it was, uh, it was a very popular Bla- Pie Pie Blackbird from 1932. Huh. Okay. Um, and, you know, so she really was kind of just waiting for like the opportunities, like you said, like for the studio to take a chance for them. Yeah. But again, she's the, She's a star, but they can't put her in star vehicles because they star white people and they're certainly not going to be doing mysteries and with all black cast and and studio films. They're not going to put them in Why would they do that? that? Why would they do that? (laughs) You know, so Mm -hmm. she and also she turned in very she turned in solid performances and she she had the it factor. Everyone said so, but she struggled to get a foothold in Hollywood in a major way. Um, and so um, it's actually one uh, reviewer, a man by the name of Richard Watts of the New York Herald Tribune wrote about her, quote, her exile from the cinema is a result entirely of narrow and intolerant racial matters, end quote. I so, mean, that says it right there. Yeah. You know what so I'm saying? Just, yeah. Despite her best efforts, she's like right there. So um, but, you know, she got frustrated. Uh, so she went to Europe to find more opportunities there. I mean, it worked for Josephine Bayer. Why yeah, I was going to say. Right. Right. So she went to Europe and she actually did find success initially there because it was at this point that the uh, 
the, the places in the UK were a lot more open, particularly on the stage, because uh, they were writing roles for black people, but they didn't really oh. actually have black people with star power and of a certain oh. status to play them. Uh, Paul Robeson was always over there. I that's, love Paul. He's true. my boyfriend in my head. Um, and so he needed someone to star opposite him. So enter Nina Mae McKinney. And she starred in uh, several plays. She was actually, she did a uh, three month, because the European press had remembered her from the uh, publicity tour for Hallelujah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, back in 1930. So by the time yeah. she got there, and you know, they, they're like, Paul Robeson's here, Josephine Baker, we love the African Americans. Yeah. Um, so they were very, make us were buddy instead. Excited. That's fine. Um, they were very like, excited to have her. Yeah. This was the 50s? No, this is the 1930s still. Wait, the when 1930s. did she? She went over to Europe in the 30s? In the 30s. Oh, I see. Okay. So this is the heyday. So this is like her, because Hallelujah was in 29. And so I she see. stuck around Hollywood looking for another Hallelujah and it wasn't coming. So I she's see. like, let Three. me try Europe. You so mentioned other movies that were like the 39. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 47. That was just kind of like an overview of. Uh, I gotcha. Okay. I'm with you now. Because a woman like, like this yeah. should have like 50 major movie credits she yes. should have like Greta Garbo credits but mm-hmm. uh but in the 30s before she had to come back stateside she went over to Europe and she starred in uh, a film called Sanders of the River from 1935 again opposite Paul Robeson and the thing about that is that um she thought I'm a Hollywood star I'm glamorous and she thought she's gonna ha- get her hair and makeup done again she's like oh I'm this you know this Clara Bow type mm-hmm. but yeah. it, it's basically she played an African chief's wife. Uh, so she's she's not in these glamorous jewels and and, you know, the <laughs> when we think of those. Um, yeah. Of the you know, the the I'm trying to think of like um uh, the the great Gatsby, like the glamour. She's that's what she's thinking. And that's the life yeah. she's been living, and especially in her head. But in, and also in reality. <laughs> But, you know, some roles you have to uh, ugly yourself up. And so and not that she was ugly by any means, because, you know, they still want their leading ladies to be beautiful. But um, it wasn't the kind of role. It was a, a meaty role. And again, it's opposite Paul Robeson, who allegedly she had an affair with. I was going to ask. An ongoing affair. Oh, I mean, OK. Have you seen a young Paul Robeson? Yes, I, I have. I get it. I get it. It's wrong, not- but I get it. Mm. Not mad at him. Not mad at him at all. So she was popular at first, but, you know, her attitude also by all accounts. And again, I'm always kind of hesitant about saying attitude when it comes to black women, because sometimes what black women are asking for, like if they ask for normal things, people are like, she has an attitude. But I or like, do. Or well, I would say this, like, what if her attitude was the same attitude of the other white women who were yeah. in that same place i because you know greta garbo was not known for being sweet and kind and you know she wasn't right. mean but she definitely had requirements yeah you know? and, and the 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 difference is is that they have the opportunities that will then um get people to be like oh she's a star Okay, so this is not diva behavior. So, but also like the affair with Paul Robeson, because apparently the producer found out about it and he was like, oh, no, 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 because she was kind of like open about it. 
She wasn't ooh, even like ooh, discreet. No, no, girl, you got to be discreet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but she does have the distinction of being the first African-American entertainer on British television as part of a BBC experimental broadcast in the 1930s. So, Oh, really? What, what um, was it? Um, it didn't say, I couldn't find the exact name of it, but uh, again, they were like gaga over African-Americans. They were just like, is everybody, because I guess they thought all African-Americans were as talented as Paul Robeson, uh-huh. Adelaide, <laughs> like Adelaide, <laughs> but um and you're like, no. yes, they are. Totally true. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's totally <laughs> true. Like, they thought Addie Hall, the Adelaide Hall, they thought everybody was like equal. No, these people were extro- extremely talented. <laughs> yeah. um, so she, but she also did club dates, you know, because back then people did uh, cabaret reviews oh, to yeah, make money yeah, in between. Yeah. Uh, where she sang Stormy Weather, I Don't Mean a mm. Thing. Um, mm. And she so things were going pretty good in Europe. She some say that she kind of like ruined she kind of like ruined it for herself with the whole like debacle with the Paul Robeson project um, and sort of her her interpersonal relationships with that. So she you know, a lot of times uh, leading ladies like Addie Hall would, you know, they would go on to uh, because they were so popular and beloved they would make movies but then mostly they would make monies from uh personal like singing appearances like you know but Addie Hall yeah. was like again yeah. she had an extraordinary voice so they would like sell out and and Paul Robeson they would sell out like music halls so they would I mean, do tours <clears throat> I've heard Paul Robeson's voice it's incredible yeah so she I don't think she had that kind of range but she you know she did pretty well she made a living uh, for a while. Uh, but eventually, you know, she really wanted to be in movies because she's just like, right. I have it all. Like, I want to be in movies. So she made her way back stateside um, and she just bit her time again. And then eventually she did play a maid in a movie that she Ooh. didn't want to play in. And, you know, um, she also was in a movie. Um, uh, uh, her One of her last uh, appearances was in a movie called Pinky. And what happened is just so interesting. So she came back. She was very frustrated. And then she heard about Lena Horne. Okay. It broke out in Stormy Weather yeah. and Cabin in the Sky in the early 40s. So she's thinking, okay, finally, there's more than one of me. Right. So, but Lena also struggled with the same issue. Yeah. That, you know, Lena was a lighter skin. Um, Nina wasn't dark, but Lena was even lighter. And so oftentimes they could kind of put... They could say Lena was uh, like Latino or like Latina or like, you know, some exotic kind of woman. And so she could be in a musical number in an exotic location with the white, you know, so put a banana on her head and pretend. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So um, she, you know, she so so Lena Horn had the same issue, basically, because this was still the 40s. Yeah. And she also, when you look up Lena Horn's uh, filmography, it's not nearly as long as it should be, given yeah, that. It's true. But Lena had the distinction of being in two highly publicized and highly um, uh, pushed uh, studio films, Cabin in the Sky and um, uh, Stormy Weather with Bill Bojangles Robinson. And I've, so, I've heard, tell me, if, do you know this, that they actually cut her scene where she sings Stormy Weather? Am I making this up? No, she sings it. Like she does. There's sing different it. versions of it where it's longer. Oh, and okay. there's you know, and, and maybe uh, that's what I read. Yeah, it's like, but it was it's what, the but, best part of the movie. Is my but, humble also, opinion. 
Both of the films are all black productions. Again, they're all, but they're studio films and they have a, a high budget. Um, and that's where, um, for people who don't know, uh, Stormy Weather is the film where the Nicholas Brothers do that famous mm-hmm. uh, dance where it's like unbelievable. And it's they did it apparently. Unbelievable. Yes. Apparently they did it in one take. So, of course uh, they did. <laughs> even, yeah, like it's okay. like, so stormy weather. So again, like Lena ran into the same problem. So Nina Mae McKinney realized that, yeah, it's, it probably wasn't going to happen. So by some accounts, people said that she began to sort of like lose her focus and being frustrated. So, you know, she, she often had, uh, allegedly she was like kept woman for different men, wealthy men in Hollywood hoping probably that that would lead to it, you know, mm. I mean, get a girl. Um, yeah, right. And, but she also uh, eventually now again, black Hollywood, she was their it girl. She was in like, you know, Hugh magazine, Ebony, like all of that stuff. But again, the actual concrete movie roles just were, were not appearing like they should be. Right. You know, um, and then like like with Lena Horne, what she eventually had to do was to go to the cabaret route as well, because she's like, I got to feed my kids. So. Right. Yeah. So Nina didn't I think she did that too late. She waited too long to kind of do that because oh. so she disappeared for a little bit and then she reemerged after Lena Horne got some press. Okay. Um, but then she got frustrated again. So she kind of like disappeared a little bit. And she actually started dating a man by the name of Jimmy Monroe, a jazz okay. musician who later famously married uh, Billie Holiday. Um, and he apparently was cheating on Nina with Billie. Oh, my God. And, Y'all, zip up yeah. your pants. All right. So it got it got kind of like messy. Uh, yeah. yeah. And when they were together, uh, people allegedly she began using drugs. It was reported. So mm. she sort of began that slow descent in her career. Um but also the frustration of it. So I feel like part of it, for me, what makes her notorious is that she didn't really understand what she had. So she kind of like just, she kind of sat there and probably, I I do believe that she was, she she started to smell her own self. I do believe that. I totally believe because somebody's so young and it seemingly came so easy. She was in one Broadway show. Yeah. And then a producer (laughs) saw her and literally whisked her off to Hollywood. You know, that is hard to come down from. She He whisks her off to Hollywood and then she's a massive success. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, so but she, you she know, our country was not ready. They were not ready. She basically was always yeah. chasing that high and that first appearance. Yeah. But it happened easy come, easy go. Like part of her mm-hmm. was like, surely this is going to happen. I just have to show up to places. Right. Yeah. Um, because it worked once she showed up once once. yeah luck was on her side Uh, so they they allegedly they think she began using drugs um, and people uh, have reported that Jimmy Monroe allegedly used drugs so people believe that's pretty um, that's pretty accurate he's you know he's a musician I want to point out that like drugs in Hollywood in that time was pretty common Absolutely. You know, like they had pretty easy access to it. And sometimes it could be well hidden and sometimes it could be less hidden. Yeah. And it depends on the kinds of drugs and like, so she, so it's not really clear. And again, it's all alleged. Um, And 
she so he toured with his band in the mid 1930s and basically she kind of went on the road with him because nothing okay. was happening right i would um, travel i get it exactly um now but her again he also eventually was having an affair with uh billy and left her for him so mm. that ended and then her career just really she just really could not make anything happen in her career so it all kind of happened at once um Later, it was reported that she married another man by the name of Robert Montgomery in 1939, and then a, a civil engineer by the name of Frank McKay in 1949. Oh, okay. uh, but these are unconfirmed uh, because okay. she kind of lose sight of her. She kind of disappeared for a while, oh. and then she reemerged and had reinvented herself as a musician and a girl singer. Oh, okay. Yeah, but this time she looked very different, like because. Before, when she came back after Lena Horne, like, kind of broke, she came back to give it a go. But a lot of people said that she she was still beautiful and thin, but she didn't have that sheen that she had at 19. I'm like, yeah, because you're a grown-ass woman now. Nobody has um, the sheen they had when they were 19, okay? Exactly. <laughs> um, and then when she reemerged this time, she was uh, significantly heavier. Again, she's an older woman. Yeah. Uh, so she, she wasn't like the sexy ingenue siren uh, that she once was. And I think, I think that was actually smart of her to try and reinvent yeah, herself. Totally. Um, I, if she had had good advice or if she would listen to good advice, she probably should have done that earlier. Like I said, yeah. uh, Lena Horne decided she was like, I got to make a living. So she started doing the, the cabaret thing pretty early on after, uh, she wasn't getting, she didn't wait like 10 right. years to get a movie role. No. And that's why we all know who Lena Horn is, I think. Exactly. So, yeah. uh, cause she's like, I got kids to feed. I got to do something. So, um, but when Nina Mae McKinney reemerged as a girl singer and a musician, the blast, the black gossip, like people, like they went in, they ridiculed <laughs> yeah. her way and she's still a beautiful uh, woman. She's just heavier. Really? Yeah. This um, world, this fucking world. Okay. And it could be that she pissed off some people who really wanted to get a dig at her before, because before she, she might've been like, I'm too good to talk to y'all. Like, it's that kind of petty. But like, listen, if all you can think of to make fun of someone is their body size, then like, I don't know, that feels a little, a little, like petty. you can do better. Like you're kind of, yeah. you know, I'm not calling you stupid, but I'm just, you know, I'm just saying. I mean, but. Remember, like, what was it? Is it People? No, it's not People Magazine. I'm not gonna bl- put that on People Magazine. What's that like rag that shows like celebrities? They're just like us, and it's all about unflattering yes. pictures yes. of celebrities. Oh yeah, I don't know. So. It's on the. It's on the like the like the when you're waiting to pay for your groceries. Yeah, it's there. It's always there, and it's like look at a little possible cellulite, and you're like, yeah. you know what? I have so exactly. many things to think about today that has nothing to do with that. So, yeah. Exactly. So, and, and she was still a beautiful woman. Like, I'm sure there are a lot of men who'd be like, uh, you know, maybe, oh, yeah. May McKinney, uh, let me take it. You know, can you get, can I get your number? Hey, girl. <laughs> um, but after that, um, I think she, she had a, a little bit of success with the new reinvention of the image. Good. Um, but eventually she, that kind of petered out as well. A lot of people think because she began drinking allegedly mm-hmm. uh so with the drug use and the drinking i think she just it's like you you're dying of a broken heart basically like yeah you know yeah dreams unfulfilled and like Oof. you know it's 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 just it's devastating and i think people who have not ever experienced that don't quite understand the toll it takes on you yeah um and so but she kind of like just faded away from the the uh papers and 
the entertainment gossip and all of that stuff. And she, on May 30th, 1967, she passed away from a heart attack oh. at the age of 54. Oh, my God. Um, there wasn't much fanfare in the newspapers uh, that you would think that would warrant you know, I mean, she had been like an, uh, a leading lady. She had yeah. had this role that's more than a lot of people get. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had been thought of as like a star, you know, not just in black Hollywood, but in Hollywood for a short period of time. Even if the Hollywood, the racism of Hollywood really uh, presented, uh, uh, prevented her from really uh, reaching her full potential. But, you know, she in by 1967, she didn't get much. Her death, her passing didn't get much uh, mention. Uh, Mm. She left no known survivors, so no children. But in 1978, she was inducted into the Black Filmmakers Hall of Fame. About time. Um, (laughs) Right. And I think a lot of people still, um, you know... If I'm ever in the future, I she's the kind of person I'd be like, she needs a, a, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah. Um, because she was a trailblazer, even yeah. if it didn't really get to where it should, it her career didn't really get where it should have gone. Um, and also of, you know, just I'm going to leave you on this note, um, a, a hopeful note. Not too sad. King Vidor himself, and he wrote yeah. his in his memoirs, he wrote of Nina Mae McKinney, quote, it took no great effort to bring it, her talent, out. She had it. Whatever you wanted, wh- whatever you visualize, she could do it, end quote. Wow. That's why she deserves a star, because she should have been next level famous. Exactly. I mean, Nina Mae McKinney, when you look her up, you're like, oh, my God, this woman is so, like, beautiful. Because it's all about, right, it's all about talent. But it's also about opportunities. But, it, I mean, we see it today. Like, you know, um, mm-hmm. actresses, particularly actresses of color, uh, they just don't get the the vehicle to show what they can do, you know. So there's um, uh, GinaDavis.org. I think that's what it's called. Uh, look it up. We follow them on social media and they are constantly looking for actual numbers. Gina Davis is amazing. Like in terms of inequality with men and yes, women she is. and how many words and they speak versus, you know, and so she was like, let me get data. Let me just get the data. We don't have to go his and her, argue. There's nothing to argue about when you have data. So what her group does too, is they have data on how much representation minorities get. And it's not good. <laughs> like, and it's, it's data driven. Like, you can look this up. They've done the work, you know, and I, and it's still, as you said, not balanced at all. Not balanced at um, all. And because yeah. I think after 2020, people are now are like, well, we fixed it. And I'm like, like, we're here to be like, no. Uh, I think white people <laughs> think that because they're like, uh, it's so hard. Like this racism stuff is icky. I'm like, try living it. Like it's icky for it's even ickier for us. Trust me. Like, Did I did I tell you what a white ex friend of mine said to me? <laughs> operative word being ex friend, huh? Mm hmm. We were on the phone. It was during the pandemic, like FaceTime. And she said. I don't want to lose my white privilege. And I think I literally said, I have to go. <laughs> oh, she said the quiet part out loud, just like, yes. wow. She ain't wrong. 
No, no, I'm sure a lot of white, most, like, yeah, that's a problem, right? But she said the words, like, she formed the words in her mouth and then put air and vo- vocal cords behind them. Well, I have a question. She <laughs> said, I don't want to lose my white privilege. Like, mm, I know that's wrong. And she was like, I don't want to lo- lose my white privilege. How did she say I'm, it? I'm going to go with number two. Oh, yeah. Number two. And I was like, I don't know, maybe be more talented. I don't know what to tell oh, you, which is oh. what I wish I said. I wish I said that because it's not like we're going to stay friends. Okay. Yeah, right. After that, you're just like, it's a wrap, <laughs> buddy. And she was, she wasn't like my best friend. You know, it was like well, it was someone I knew, but like, at least she admits it. Cause so many white people would be like, there's no privilege in being white. I'm just like, uh, like you can't even it must be nice to have that. so much privilege that you don't even notice <laughs> yeah it's like I mean I think about it all, it all the time like let's say some modern uh, actors and actresses right like I think about particularly the actresses I think about like let's say Lupita right yeah. Lupita's won an Oscar yeah. uh, she's talented but you don't often see her in big budget. And she's been in one of the biggest movies of all time, Black Panther. She was a lead in that. She was yes. in Us, one of the biggest horror movies of all time. And if Lupita was white, Lupita would work all the time. If if you yeah. know, if yeah. Kiki Palmer was white, yeah, she I would her. work all the time. Even Zendaya, who works a lot, she don't work nearly as much as her white counterparts. That, okay. And that's the thing that people that that I think that is the really good point is that because you have white people pointing all those actresses out and saying, what about all those actresses? And you're like, yes. However, first of all, there's you know, there's there's an argument while they're still working. But the the problem is that they don't they aren't seen as the star that can do all the things. Yeah. And also I would ask people to say, yeah, they're working, but how much are they making? Are they making what their white counterparts are making? Like the answer is, you know, (laughs) the answer is no. Like, I mean, even white women are still struggling to get Mm -hmm. pay. Right. So those who manage to get is only a few who managed to get it. And then that probably goes away. I still can't get over the Michelle Williams, Mark Wahlberg thing. I was just like, Michelle Williams is an immensely talented actress who's mm-hmm. been nominated like two or three times for an Oscar. Like, Let me tell you how much money that girl makes for these big studios, how much money she makes for them. It's like billions, probably, and throughout her career. She was on a film with a guy who's never been nominated for uh uh, an Oscar and she was making scale and he was making like two million like two thousand two hundred thousand percent more than her I was just like so if they're doing that to Michelle Williams imagine what they're yeah. doing to Lupita like they they might be offering her stuff that's either offensive or just not up to the caliber of her as a star as an Oscar winner right and then when they do when she does find something Maybe it's not the the salary that she deserves. That's why I heard yeah. that she's producing a lot of her stuff. But again, you got people, you got, even when you're producing your own stuff, you got to get people who are willing to go into business with you. Yeah. You got to get producers who will, who will help fund it, who will believe in you and your power. And the, this country is still really bad at that. Yeah. I think of like, like I said, Kiki Palmer, Zendaya. I think yeah. of, um, what's the... The young lady that was in Beale Street, if Beale Street could talk, 
Um, I think of her, her name is, I think is also Kiki something like no, there's all this, uh, there's this new uh, girl who's actually finally getting some, um, some buzz, even though she was nominated for an Oscar for, uh, Judas, Judas and the Black Messiah, um, uh, fish, fishback, uh, Dominique fishback. She just starred okay. in swarm. Oh this yeah. This girl, I don't know if you've seen swarm. No. This girl is so immensely talented she they should be they should be knocking down her door to give her opportunities but I bet and I think what you said really kind of hits it home for me is probably they are giving her opportunities but are they giving her opportunities that are really worthy of her because you know like you don't necessarily like you know your worth and they should know their worth it's like if your salary, um, you deserve two to five million a movie and they're coming to you with uh, a million or 750,000. Yeah. And it's like, I understand. Look, listen, what I would kill for 750,000. I wouldn't kill. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that we, is a lot of yeah. money. But like, it's not any different than when you have a corporate job and you are either getting 100,000 a year or 150,000 a year, right? Both of those numbers are more, I live in the state of California, it's real expensive here. But if you're like going to be a, you know, like that, that is like a high level corporate job number. Let's say you're then a teacher, then it's like, are you making 50,000 a year or 75,000 a year? Right. It's all it's all relative. Yeah, it's all relative right, to what it is you do. And it's like so if you're starring in movies that those numbers are high again, like Michelle Williams was on the same movie making scale, which probably came out to let's say it came out to 100,000. Right. 150,000. Yeah. Her co-star was making two million. Yep. Yeah. That's not cool. It's just, like, it's not cool. That's like a the best way to put it. Because they sold it to her that like, oh, it's an independent film. There isn't a lot in the budget, da, da, da. And she's thinking, oh, I want to do this. And, but she's thinking uh, everybody's getting paid like what she's getting paid. So this like the question about- n- now women have to say, I'd like to know what the other salary is. Everyone taking this pay cut. And I would like to see some documents. Oh, that's a whole nother thing that's, that we will get into you know, in a, another okay, day. Okay, probably not today. It's in <laughs> our next podcast. <laughs> we have so many ideas of it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, this is what they come here for. I mean, you know, um, yes. for our uh, deep insight and uh, for us to laugh uh-huh. at people and ourselves. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Our well, t- I, <laughs> but I mean, it's just, I mean, that's Nina Mae McKinney for me. And I just think I that love her. it's Thank important you. for people to hear her, uh, to know her story. Uh, again, she's a person that deserves a Hollywood, uh, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. 100%. Uh, hopefully someone will get her, get her that, um, get her, get her done. Um, but thank you so much guys for joining us for another episode of Notorious Women Podcast. Remember to follow us on all the things, to share our podcast with your friends and family, to, to, you know, big us up, as they say, like tell everybody about us, give us a five-star review on, uh, in the iTunes store, five stars, nothing less than five stars. You don't need to do anything less than five stars. Exactly. Five whole stars. Yay. (laughs) 
five whole stars. And also you can become a patron and support our show at patreon.com slash notorious women. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash notorious women. And Miriam will tell you where you, else you can. Yes. So we have a, we have a Gmail. If you want to email us, it's notoriouswmpod at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram. It's so easy. Notorious Women Podcast. Um, come find us there. We have so much fun. I put a lot of like funny stuff, but also some like sometimes we trigger white men. Come join in the fun. Um, but it's a fun place to hang. Uh, you can also DM us there as well. And that is that. Yeah, guys. So we will see you guys next week. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you for all the love. We really appreciate you guys. Yes, we And do. we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.